Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready to be energized and have some serious fun. This is the Energetic Education Podcast. Introducing your host, Dale Sidebottom. Welcome to episode number 33 of the podcast. And as always, Thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to not only download the podcast, but listen to it. And we really appreciate all the support we've got. Now, today I'm really excited for today's episode. I've got a guest who's not only a guest, but it's actually become one of my good friends this year through teaching and everything he's been doing. And the reason this episode is so amazing is that Carl Connolly, our guest today, is not only an inspirational educator that is setting the benchmark for gamification and flip learning and different ways to engage his students, but in his previous life, he's been a professional gamer who's traveled around the world playing FIFA. He's been number one in the world. He's been part of the New Zealand bobsled team. He was a state-level high jumper. He was a professional bodybuilder. All right, now, you may be thinking, is this for real? Is this serious? And it really is. And with all his expertise and everything that Carl's doing, we're really excited to talk about a joint project that we have created together as well. So you're going to get Carl's amazing journey, background in teaching and everything else he's doing. And then we're going to explain this really cool new project that we've got out there. So really make sure you listen to this episode. There's so many key takeaways, not only from things Carl's doing, but little tips and advice that he's learned along the way in his journey from teaching. So Carl, thanks here for joining, we go, guys. Buddy. I hope Hi, you enjoy. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Dale. Thank you uh, for taking the time. Now, what's the time difference for me? It's uh, 8 p.m. at night. We're just about to hit 10 p.m. Perfect. So I'm obviously in Melbourne, and from that accent, you can tell that Carl's my uh, New Zealand friend, the superstar PE teacher that is known as the NZPE teaching star. Now, Carl, for my listeners out there, can you give a little bit of a background of sort of growing up in New Zealand and then also maybe your teaching background and so forth? Yeah, so I obviously was born and raised in New Zealand. As a youngster, I was in Auckland, then moved to Wellington when I was about 12 years old, and Wellington is kind of the bottom of the North Island, so really in the in the centre of the country. I was school and my education was all about sport. I was very disengaged when it came to learning. And after I finished school, I, I went on and did an exercise science degree. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was kind of thinking maybe I'll become a personal trainer and I, I dabbled in that for a little bit and found that, you know, in, in New Zealand back in that time frame, which I think was about 2001, I don't think Kiwis were ready to really pay money to improve their, their well-being and their health. So I got out of that industry fairly quickly and thought, hey, I don't have much else left to do. I'll, um, I might go and try to be a PE teacher. So I did that and ended up picking up my first job at a, at a school called Wellington High School, which is a very liberal co-ed school in the centre of the city. And they had a really, really progressive principal there that liked to just step outside the square a little bit. And we gave our seniors a late start, so our, our seniors would start at ten twenty p.m., which was uh, ten twenty a.m. Sorry, which was kind of linked into all of that research around teenagers and their sleep patterns and and stuff like that. And so that was my first school and quite hard with physical education there. It's not known for its sport and students were a bit of a challenge in the classroom. But after being there for eight years, I moved to Rongatai College, which is where I'm at now, which is right next to Wellington Airport. And it's a more of a traditional school, a boys' school. A sport is massive. 
we've had quite a few All Blacks come from from the school, which is which is pretty big for such a small school. But you know, being a physical educator, being at a more traditional sporting powerhouse school, it's, it makes your job a little bit easier. Yeah, so that's a, that's kind of my educational background, I guess. Yeah, nice guy. And I must admit, I was lucky enough to uh, come to your school early this year where I was running a uh, workshop and to see what you call the brotherhood and the way that not only all the boys look after each other and communicate, but the way they respect and treat you. It must be a really nice environment to turn up and work in every day. Yeah, a lot of the traditional boys' schools in New Zealand have this this concept or this value of brotherhood but we take it a step further and it's it's really ingrained here and it's massive and I remember when I when I first accepted this job I had a lot of my colleagues at the time were like what are you thinking why would you go to that school wrong a dogs blah 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 but you get here and immediately I could see the difference that there was this mutual respect between student and teacher and they went out of their way for you and they made sure you were welcome you know they hold the doors for you they're polite it's just something I hadn't experienced before and that could be because I was at a more liberal school where that student-teacher relationship is quite different but coming here I was really pleasantly surprised and it, and it comes from the Pacifica culture I think Māori and Pacifica culture where family is really big and important and that just is throughout the whole school. Yeah and I remember you showing me uh, a video recently about the I think it's like a 20 minute haka or tribal dance where the new students come into the hall and it goes for like 20 minutes but that's like the welcoming and the noise and everything was just amazing does that like happen every year or like because that was really i was sitting there we're going wow in terms of that brotherhood that that component is really special at our school and that's a really good example and they do that every single year the year nines are welcomed on you know the 120 odd year nines are huckered on you know they walk into the hall faced with this aggressive powerful haka and you know I think if I was a year nine I'd be freaked out of my pants but um, <laughs> that's that's part of their journey that begins there and we have a teacher who records them coming in and takes photos and those that footage gets played as they're in their leavers assembly which is really really special to see and you have a good laugh at all these kids walking in intimidated <laughs> on their first day of school. I can imagine, and I was feeling intimidated just watching it through your computer. I think you added a bit of your presentation, very powerful stuff. So I'm imagining great place to work. But where I really want to go, and I've already spoke about this a little bit in the intro, but not many PE teachers I know of all, matter of fact, not one PE teacher I know has been a professional gamer that's been flown around the world. Can you explain a little bit about what this is, mate? Like, this is radical stuff. I'm really excited to hear about this. So I, when I grew up... You know, I had really fantastic parents and stuff like that, but we weren't, we didn't have much of a disposable income. And, you know, I'd spend a lot of time with my friends and, and a lot of them had video game consoles and stuff like that. And I found I really enjoyed that, but it was never something that was commonplace in our house growing up. We had consoles every now and then when we could, and it was really cool. And that helped build my passion. But when I got to the point where I had some disposable income, it's something that I, I took up with a bit of a passion. I love video games. I used to play them a lot. One year I just saw an, an advert for a competition, and it was an EA Sports competition. I, I jumped in and went for that and ended up doing really well. And out of that we got a few trips around New Zealand, and that was cool, competing on these big epic stages with... You know, we had live performers there and big crowds, and, and it was awesome. And then one day, they launched a world competition. It was in FIFA. That was a game I was actually really good at, despite having never seen a game of football in my life, nor played it. 
I was just, for some reason, I was really good at the game. And so I, I started practicing for this competition and it involved quite a lot of gameplay. Um, I'd, this was when I was doing my first year of teaching. So I'd come home at about 3.30, 4pm and I'd jump on the console and play solid until about 2am and rinse and repeat every day just to get to the level of where I could qualify for these competitions. And in the end, I ended up, I ended up qualifying for a, quite a few of them and, and travelling quite a bit. Paid travel, my partner and I, who's now my wife, we'd get, we've got flown to places like London, Germany, and I had a couple of tournaments in Australia, and just got to see the world, and you got paid a little bit of money, and you got put up in five-star hotels, and you went to these competitions where prize money was only like 20k, I think, these days it's in the millions, but really cool experience, and I got a lot out of it, I became like a, I was a game reviewer for a while, I could pretty much ring up a company and uh, just send me whatever I wanted, consoles, games. I was the first person in New Zealand to, to own an Xbox 360. I got it about six months before anyone in New Zealand. So it was I was living every 12-year-old's dream. It was pretty cool. And also while you're doing that, you're living a split life really, mate, because you're still teaching as well. How did you go living off two or three hours sleep by the sounds of things? How was that? I don't know. Thinking back, I don't know how I did it, eh? It was really challenging. I recall one thing, though. We used to pay for some coaches to come in and coach for a couple of hours twice a week and I vividly recall setting them up with the coach and then going off and sleeping for two hours and, and that was um, <laughs> that was quite handy I don't think the kids didn't seem to care I'm sure if the senior management found out oh, I would have got trouble, but no good coaches well, like you're not at that uh, school anymore, mate. No, I don't. If you do now, I probably wouldn't express that you go for a midday snooze. So, pretty cool experience, mate. And I've got another one here that I've heard on the grapevine as well that you were an elite athlete. You were a part of this program to one of the the New Zealand bobsled team. Do you want to explain a little bit about that, mate? And is it true? Yep, yep, that's true. We were hoping to qualify for the Olympics, and how that happened was, I one day my sister-in-law rang me up and said, "Hey, there's this." Thing you might be interested in, they're doing some talent ID down at the track for a bobsleigh team, and I thought, shoot, that sounds pretty cool. So I went along, did some, did a couple of tests. There was like a couple of sprint tests. You had to tow like twenty or thirty kilos over ten meters, and then some um, bounding into a into a pit. And did the testing, thought nothing of it, and then got a call a couple of weeks later from New Zealand Academy of Sport saying, hey you've kind of qualified within this team and it was really funny because the team were full of elite athletes kind of the 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 golden kids of track and field and what the academy or or the people involved with it probably didn't realize was that I had been well I think they did realize but they weren't too sure but I'd been in secondary school I was actually a national high jump champion for two years and so I had this power base explosive power base and when I finished high jumping when I was about maybe 23, 24, I decided that I'd spent my whole life trying to be lean and thin to jump, which is really important. And I thought, shoot, I'll go the other way and try to put on as much mass as possible, put on as much muscle. So I went from about 79 kilos to 115 at my peak. Wow. Um, so what happens with bobsleigh is you need a sled has a maximum limit of, say, 600 kilos and 200 of that will be the sled and then the four athletes will be another 400 so you want all of your athletes to be as close to 100 kilos as you can and our team were very small so what that meant was my weight at the time of testing gave me a massive multiplier which ranked me up a little bit higher because you need that weight at the top if you don't hit 600 kilos at the top you need to add lead 
to the sled to weight it because you need that weight at the bottom but it means you're pushing a heavier sled off the block which is no good you want to you know want to maximize that 600 kilos so yeah made that team we did a bit of travel I competed in the Europa Cup which is in Switzerland San Marie in Switzerland and that's the only natural bobsleigh track in the world which was pretty pretty cool yeah and if you ever get the opportunity say you're in Whistler um, you can do a tourist bob I I seriously encourage you to, to put the money down to, to give it a whirl because it's like nothing you'll ever do in your life. Was it scary? Because like, the only real experience I've had is I love watching cool runnings and I'm, <laughs> I might call you Sunka from now. I, did, I hope you didn't carry an egg with you. But um, <laughs> how fast were you going? Like, What was the top speed you got? It must have been crazy. The track we were on, it varies depending on the track. The track we were on, we hit 100 and I think about 145, 46 kilometres an hour. But you hit these corners and like you're sitting in the sled, you're like bare ass on steel pretty much, you're inches off the off the ice. And as you go into the corner, the G forces just drive your head into the bottom of the sled. It's it's amazing. <laughs> you're you're like sitting a little bit upright and then you, it just pushes your head to the ground or into the back of the person in front of you and you just can't do anything about it. It's 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 unreal. Mate, that's uh, pretty impressive. So Guys listening already, you've uh, probably just sitting there going, wow, what hasn't this guy done? But what I think you are, you're an extreme, mate, and you put all your energy into certain things, and I think that's really shining in everything you do now, teaching-wise, and probably one of the big reasons recently you've uh, just gone over to Dubai, and we're both lucky enough to presenting over there at Connected PE 2017. Now, I know you haven't been to Dubai before, but what were your initial thoughts of Dubai and maybe you know the school and things like that before we talk a little bit more about the conference? I was really excited about Dubai, except for the travel. Excuse me, we we had a four-hour trip to Melbourne and then a five-hour layover, then a seven-hour trip to Brunei with a couple of hours of that airport, airport that has nothing <laughs> in it, and then um, the eight-hour trip to Dubai. Luckily, I had you for most of the leg, and my wife travelled with us, which was pretty cool. But Dubai was just amazing. I didn't know what to expect, really. You hear a lot. I think Westerners hear a lot about it, and they hear about the culture and... You know, all of those different things and you have to be careful with what you wear and stuff like that. But to be honest, we got there and, you know, we part of we tried to honour that culture as much as possible, which was fine. But you got there and it actually wasn't too too different. As soon as you got comfortable and you you're aware of those customs and stuff like that, the place was just amazing. And, you know, we got to see a little bit. We went up to Burj Khalifa. We did a desert safari, we saw the amazing malls that had ski fields and skate rinks and stuff inside there which were phenomenal, but then what topped it off was the school that we were at, the GEMS American Academy, phenomenal, you know they had a three court gymnasium, they had an elevated indoor synthetic running track, they had a weight room, they had an Olympic sized swimming pool, they had, did you see the courts on the roof? Yeah, they wouldn't even really be able to use those because it's so hot. No, so they had these courts on the roof. They had a 400-metre track outside. To All the fields outside were artificially turfed. They had a driving range, a chipping a chipping area, artificial chipping area. It was just amazing, the facility. You know, when you compare it to what we see in New Zealand, there's just nothing like it. Even our, our rec centres can't match what we saw at that school. So, yeah, just a phenomenal place, phenomenal school. It was a, re- a real experience for me. Yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more, mate, rocking up and just seeing these facilities that was state-of-the-art. And I know I've been to a lot of schools this year, probably 30 running workshops, and nothing compares to that. That was insane. Like, their swimming pool, they can 
it's a 50 meter Olympic pool, but they can bring the barriers in the end and make it a 25 meter pool, or however long they want. It's crazy. They've got a go- they're putting in a golf simulator. Like it's just amazing. Yeah, they're putting in a golf simulator. But anyway, fantastic school, and we're very lucky to present there. Now, some of the I just want to talk a little bit about the sessions you presented on because I was lucky enough not to be presenting at the same time as you. So I was able to come along and watch. And one of them was presenting on flip learning. And maybe you could give a little spiel on what flip learning is and why you're so into it and the power of it. I know I know your session was amazing, but for people out there may not have heard about flip learning. What, what is it? And, uh, you know, how did you get into it? The simple definition of it is the removal of direct instruction from within the classroom to outside the classroom and that's usually done through videos that we create for our students so that they watch them in for homework say in class when they come back in class we're able to repurpose our classroom time and make it more active and more engaging so it's kind of like doing the homework in class and the work you'd normally do in class for homework so it kind of flip, flips things around and the power of it is in a traditional classroom particularly for theory and stuff like that, we tend to chalk and talk. And we chalk and talk and we introduce this new content and we we do this learning, but you get to the end of the lesson and then you try to cram in some more authentic learning tasks to be able for students to be able to apply that new learning. And there's not much time left to do that. And then they do that for a little bit and then we go, okay, now go off and do your homework, which is the real hard stuff, and they have to do it without the support of their peers or their teacher. And it just seems really backwards. So the flipped classroom removes that direct instruction. They, they learn some key concepts on the video that you create for them. And then when they come back in, you repurpose that time and you make the learning more authentic, more meaningful. You apply it in real-world contexts so that the learning is more relevant for them. And it's something that I, I picked up Maybe about eight years ago, I got to the point where I've been teaching for maybe five or six years. Things were getting stale for me. I felt if I didn't do something to to spice things up, I was going to leave teaching. And I stumbled across a TED talk by Salman Khan, who he started up the Khan Academy. And he was talking about the power of providing students with these videos. And that led on to a book called Flip Your Classroom, Reach Every Student in Every Classroom Every Day by a guy called John Bergman co-written by Aaron Sams and I read that book in about three hours and it just blew my mind. The power of this pedagogical approach with your students, I was flipping the next week and from there I've kind of built up a library of video content online and had my students working through that and flipping their classroom and just learnt through trial and error you know a lot of my old stuff was really boring dry content but as you do this more and more your ability gets better and then that's better for the students and they see the payoff and it really does help with those relationships in the classroom and just the learning experience for the students is much better I think yeah and and not only that I think what you mentioned there is that your your content may have started not amazing but the more you do, it's like anything. You've just got to start it because the only way it's going to get better is by actually doing it. You know, we always think, oh, it's not perfect. Should I release it? Or I don't want to put that out to the students yet because it's not how I want it. All right. But the only way by doing it, and you probably speak about this a little bit more, but the only way by actually getting it right is by putting yourself out there to get some feedback. It's not criticism. And that's the only way you'll ever improve. Would you say that's a really big thing about everything you do? Yeah, I think you should always be, be seeking that critique 
that feedback because you're right it's you're not going to learn any other way and I put my stuff out there early you know your teaching is very personal the way I teach something that's personal and by putting it on YouTube for the whole world to see which is what I did you open yourself up to some really negative comments but also some constructive feedback and one of the stories I tell quite often is when I first started the first class I did it with um, they've been going a couple of weeks and we're in one session and a kid in the back of the class puts his hand up. He was His name was Bryn, a really good kid. And he said, look, Kondo, because I was at this liberal school and they call you by nicknames <laughs> there. He said, yeah. look, Kondo, we really appreciate what you're doing and we see the power and, and everything you're doing. But, man, you got to get excited in these videos because cause I'm a monitor. <laughs> so you're so boring and we're trying to watch it at night and we're falling asleep. And I was like, okay, okay. And if you go back and look at some of my older stuff, you can see how, man, if I was a student listening to that, I'd be like, oh my gosh. But so it's maybe, part of the learning process. Exactly right. Maybe you could relaunch them as meditation tapes or ways <laughs> to go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that, that's good, mate. I think that's a really good takeaway for teachers that I think too often we're worried about, it's not perfect, it's not how I want it to be, but, you know, the feedback you get the way that you do make it perfect or I don't think there's any way, such thing as perfect, but, no. you know, you'll never find out if you don't give it a go. So, yeah, the next question I really want to ask you is all about your masterclass session that you run in Dubai on gamification. And I suppose from your previous experiences or life experience as a pro gamer, an MZ bobsledder, you know, a high jumper, a weightlifter, right, you've been able to mix all that together. And what you've been able to do with gamification is truly amazing. So for people out there that may not know about gamification or heard about it, do you want to just give a little bit of a spiel about it and then obviously tell everybody about this session that's just blown everybody's mind in Dubai? My presentation was on gamification and how to use it to boost student motivation and engagement in the classroom. It's a reiteration of an older presentation I gave a few years ago where it was just a theory-based session and what it did was it defined what gamification is, which is the application of game mechanics in non-game contexts. And the cool thing about it was it took all the good things about video games and what game designers install within video games to boost engagement and keep the user or the player coming back. It took all of that stuff and then it linked it to a real world example that made sense for the audience that I was presenting to and then I take it one step further and provide an example of what that might look like in the classroom. And so that presentation evolved over over a couple of years and people really enjoyed it, particularly seeing the step from the game mechanic to the real world example to then the game example. So then for the masterclass this year, I thought I'd take it one step further and instead of just saying, hey, this is what it could look like in the classroom, I designed and developed some games to actually show you how you could really take some stuff away and implement immediately with your classes. And so it was a practical application of gamification to boost student motivation and engagement. So it was, this particular one was the first time I, I had run it and I think the response was really good. A lot of it was the, the big the big activity or task or game that I had within there was working around this game mechanic narrative and that's something that video games do exceptionally well. They, they build a story um, that entices the user or the player to keep coming back and some teachers do that really well in the classroom, but a lot of us could use a lot of work in, in providing ways that you can build that context or that narrative for your student. And so that that game that I had was uh, basically a lockbox where teachers or groups had a lockbox with four compartments, and each compartment required a key. And to get that key, they had to 
complete a stage in a story. So I think our context was in Dubai that they won a bronze medal medal in the judo at the last Olympics. So I created a context where that judoka, he was stuck at the airport and we had to get him to connect to PE. And to get him to connect to PE for his next bout, you had to solve all of these problems or issues and and we had a, a literacy task, a numeracy task, a physical task, and then a fun task. And if you completed all of those, you got all the keys and you got to unlock the compartment, which was the win state, basically. Yep. And I don't know if they were all fun. There was uh, I was planning just to come along and just watch your session. But once this mystery box came out, I was super engaged. And I, I remember sitting there, I was dripping because I wanted to open this box first. And I was like, this is amazing. And, and just to look around throughout the room, I think one of the things – was your fitness part of it was doing 60 bear crawls so we're in a team of four we had to do a truck we had to do 15 of these 10 meter bear crawls and I, I was killing i was like i'm the one that fit that connected pair so you're in a fitness session you're running gamification and my shoulders are on fire but i think it just shows the power of how good gamification can be if it's run correctly do you reckon that's correctly insane yeah yeah definitely and there's lots you know there's a ton of game mechanics that we can be exploring and installing in the classroom and it's just a matter of pairing the ones that work well with your cohort or your group that you have in front of you. For some people it, it might not work, but also just having a bit of a, just some acknowledgement around how video games engage our users and, 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 and taking key components from those games that you can try to install in your classroom because I've said this to you before, but school is just one big video game. It's just a very poorly designed video game you know we have you have leaderboards you have points you have consequences you have all of those things that are really big in video games but it's just not done very well in education yeah it's definitely not and i've definitely stole that off you a lot of times i I use that saying all the time because it makes utter sense and i suppose the main reason i wanted to get you on today is to since I met you earlier this year and I really got into your flip learning thing that we've done a lot of connecting and we've uh, for the last six months been working on a project called Learning with Games Together. Now, for people out there that didn't get to Dubai because I know we both presented on a lot of this stuff and it's all game mechanics that can be used in the classroom to engage students and ticks a lot of different curriculum and things like that and it can be used across the world basically do you want to give a little bit more of a spin on it and you know why you're so excited about what we're created i think what you and i both do well is some my specialty really is the gamification and what you do really well is you provide that really engaging context and you, in a game-based sense, and a gamified sense, that's what you do really well and you have a lot of energy and you link a lot of these great games and you put them into activities that are, that are really engaging, they're active, they require you to do a lot of good active learning um, and we complement each other really well and so learning with games really come about was we wanted to harness some of those gamification and game-based and gamified aspects and provide some resources around around those that teachers can bring into the classroom to hopefully engage students well not hopefully I know they're going to engage students to get students more active in their learning and just to think outside the outside the square a little bit instead of doing your literacy and your numeracy and and stock standard ways well how about utilizing some of these key games these famous games that have been around a long time and look at this game-based learning look at this gamification and all of these other cool aspects that are within games and put them into the classroom and so what we have is and to be honest 
you've done most of the work here. I'm just on the I back end putting so. it all together. But <laughs> so we have basically a, a number of games, and these games are presented through the introduced and presented through a video format. And they have a printable, downloadable PDF resource for each level of that game and each aspect of that game that subscribers can print out and implement with their class. And as well as that, we also have, you can take some of these blank templates and personalize them and really make them fit your your class or, or your subject area or your level of student. So the cool thing is that subscribers get access to all of these fantastic games and they can use them whenever they want, however they want, download them. And I, I think it's just a really positive way to start exploring this aspect of, of um, gamification or game-based learning and, and push that and, and demonstrate that in the classroom. Yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more. And I think uh, I know we're both really excited for what we've been able to achieve and we're going to keep adding games regularly, trying to add a game a week or a game a month just to really get in there. But the ones we've got so far are super in-depth. And I know you presented on the Mystery Box one and Avatars in Dubai and they were epic. People loved them. And I presented myself on one called Guitar Hero, which was based on the Guitar Hero game, which is pretty cool. And also another one called Cluedo. So basically just to give everyone a little rundown and Cluedo is a murder mystery board game where somebody's been murdered with a weapon in a room. Whereas we've used the narrative sort of background and basically all students have rocked up to class. And what's happened is a teacher is missing with an item in a classroom, all right? So instead of Cluedo murder, it's Cluedo hide and seek. So students then need to go around, find out different clues, answer different curriculum questions. So it'll be literacy, numeracy, history, geography, and then a fun one, as well as doing a certain fitness movement. So it's a little bit of sneaky fitness. And each time they get a question right and complete that movement, they can tick off a clue. So it might be that Sporty Spice, who's one of the teachers, all right, they are not missing. So they cross that off. And basically, once they've done all the clues, what they've got is they've got one teacher missing with an item in a room, all right? So if that excites you alone, you can go onto our website and we're giving that away for free at the moment. So you can go on there and you can watch the videos, each step-by-step series, and then you can go and get all the resources and you can go and use them. And I think the big thing you just mentioned about the blank ones, so obviously we've gone on and we've given generic questions, okay, that we think would be suited to majority of schools and year levels and things like that. But what's the blank ones allows you to do is allows you to get creative, allows teachers to use their own creative flair and customise that to what they're actually teaching their students. So instead of just sitting down doing a typical lesson in the classroom, why don't you teach it through a game of Monopoly or a game of Cluedo or a game of Prison Break or Guitar Hero or a Mystery Box Challenge? Do you know how much engaged the students will be? It'll be through the roof. And I think the evidence is pretty clear that the teachers that just came to our sessions alone in Dubai, Carlin, for teachers to be that super engaged, and I just know from your Mystery Box one, mate, it was epic. What I love, yeah. what I love about the platform, and that I think is one of the most powerful things about it, is that it's an organic platform. You know, we just heard from from a teacher the other day who had an idea for a game, and all you did was you started creating a resource, whipping it up, and you can get that up there as soon as it's completed. And that's the power of it. It's it's not a matter of you buy a textbook with some games in it, and then that's the resource done and dusted. We're continually adding things. We can adjust things, we can tweak things whenever we want. It's organic, it can change all the time, and we are changing it all the time. 
Yeah, and I think that's really powerful. And I, for example, Brendan contacted us. I've had a couple of Skype chats with him. And since then, we're already halfway through this epic new game that is awesome. I'd never even heard of it. I had to research it. But we love these new games. So I think that's the power of it. If teachers out there have got other great ideas, they can contact. We don't want to take credit for it, but we'd just love to add it to this resource because at the end of the day, we want to provide the best possible learning that we can, all right? And we know that sitting down and learning the typical way doesn't work for everybody. If you can make it into a game, you can have so much more engagement. Now, for the listeners out there today, Carl, we've got a 20% discount, don't we? Yep, we sure do. You need, really need to head to the website and, and check things out. But if you do want to subscribe, there's a shop link on the website. And at checkout, you just need to enter LWG for Learning With Games. And, and that gives you 20% off an annual subscription. Yeah, and yeah, so go on there and check it out and have a look at, if you, you don't need to subscribe, just simply go on and, and have a look at Cluedo. That's one of the games. They're at 10 at the moment. We're adding, I'm adding an icebreaker board game soon, an Uno card game for any subject. I know the avatars are coming, the mystery box challenges, a QR code one, just a few of them to go with. There's a paper plane, a prison break, there's Cluedo, au- Auction Hunters, Monopoly. There's so many, and what they are, they're games that all students can relate to. So I think that's the powerful thing that we've created there, mate. Yep, I agree. Now, that aside, really powerful stuff. I'm really excited to launch this with you, mate, and I suppose that's one of the main reasons I wanted to do this podcast with you, but you're doing that as well as your study series, as well as the NZPE teacher, which if you don't follow on Twitter, I'd recommend you're always posting fantastic things. Now, I haven't told you these questions, but what I'd like to do is maybe get one or two top tips for a teacher who is a little bit scared about gamification. Where should they start? What should they do? And and this isn't trying to promote our website. Without that aside, what's something you should start with or maybe just a little step for the first teachers out there? I think the first step if you just want to dabble in it, I, I, I'd like teachers to just think about creating some sort of narrative or context within their classroom. You know, it's easy to go in and, and teach a concept, but if you can find a way to incorporate some sort of story within that, and to be honest, we, we do this really well in primary schools. We, we build context and narrative and story around a lot of the stuff we do because that draws in the students, and we... We, we kind of get to the point where we're in secondary and we think our kids aren't going to like that. But we know that's not true because our kids play video games for hours and hours and hours a week and they're drawn in by the story. So if, if you can kind of think outside the square and, and build narrative around a task to get them more engaged, then that's a, that's a really good way to start. If you really like what you're hearing from what we've been talking about and you want to take a um, kind of take the next step next step in gamification, there's a book by a guy named Yu Kai Chow, and he also has a website. His book is called, I think it's called Actionable Gamification, and that's where I got the concept for my, my workshops is to provide a game mechanic and then provide a real-world example, and then I just took it a step further and provide an educational example, and he does that first step really, really well by providing the game mechanic and examples in games, what that looks like, and then providing a real-world example. And I read that book and I was just, I knew straight away that these game mechanics can be installed in the classroom and they're going to be powerful. So narrative and also check out some of the, the work by Yu Kai Chow. 
Yeah, definitely, mate. And uh, I, I haven't read that book. I've read a couple others. I think um, Gamification by Brian Burke and things like that. And, yeah, it just got my head spinning with ideas. And I suppose that's why we've been able to put it all down and create uh, learning with games. You, so, you, need, to, you need to check out Yukai Charlie. He, he's going to blow your mind even more. Oh, mate. Oh, well, I definitely will. <laughs> and, uh, and, and if there's any teachers out there that do have game ideas, then simply go to the Learning With Games website and you can email Carl and myself and um, like Brendan has from India and now we're sitting down and we're halfway through a really epic game. So all that being said, Carl, we can find you at My Study Series. We can find you at nzpeteacher.com. Obviously, Learning With Games is a mutual interest that I've got with you now. So if you'd like to check that out, anywhere else we can find you, mate. I have a podcast called NZPE TeacherCast. It's, you can access it through Facebook. I have a Facebook page because I also do the odd video log as well and um, weekly weekly podcasts, just sharing stories from passionate educators from around the world. So you can check that out as well. I will, mate, and I'll put that uh, on our show notes as well. So thank you very much. And just, guys, before we go, remember, if you want to take advantage of that 20% discount, that is LWG. They'll be available for probably a couple of weeks. So if you would like to get that 20% off, then go dive in, check out Cluedo. Um, Carl, thank you very much for being on my podcast, buddy. Cheers, Dale. It was a pleasure. Thanks, mate. Cheers.